This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train, and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there and welcome to episode 19 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're back in our archive in January 2015 for an interview with Jim Harper. Jim Harper set up an encounter congregation of Hope Church in Worcester where he's planted amongst addicts and homeless people and he's going to be talking all about how church plants can engage communities in this way. You can find the full hangout, including a Q&A with Jim and the notes on all that he had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 19. So without any further delay, here is Tim Simmons interviewing Jim Harper. Uh, okay, hi guys. Um, it's good to see you all. So if I just introduced Jim very quickly... And then really my aim is to uh, ask him some questions about uh, what he does, how he got to what he does at the moment, uh, and then <clears throat> see if we can apply it into a, a church planning context, which I think because of actually, because of what Jim does, um, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I think what he's doing at the moment is actually quite unique um, in its own way. <clears throat> so it would be, I just really want to get into it. So we can... It could just be me and Jim back and forth as we're going. Actually, there's a few of us in tonight. So if you do just want to butt in with a question, you can do. If you just prefer to listen, then we can wait till the end. Uh, we can do that as well. Um, so, yeah, however you want to. Yeah. So we'll just uh, we can follow Mike's instruction. Um, so <clears throat> Jim is currently in Worcester uh, at Hope Church, Worcester. Uh, is one of the um, uh, on the senior leadership team there and uh, runs uh, one of the congregations of that church on a Friday evening called the Encounter Congregation, which according to their website is for people uh, who have um, life controlling issues. Um, so uh, that's kind of the, the end point of the story, as in that's present day. So we're going to rewind it back as far as Jim's memory can take him. Uh, and really, I, I want to find out how he got to this point, some of the steps he's made on his journey. Uh, and I guess I want to start with the kind of the personal um, stuff. I, I think for me, for working with the poor and doing it with any sense of uh, longevity, um, actually, there needs to be quite deep conviction there. And the people that I've seen who've done it for decades and decades, it's kind of in their bones. Um, and they're not kind of doing a gap year and then clearing off to get another job. Actually, there's something really deep inside of them for this. So, uh, Jim, I guess I want you to kind of tell us your story uh, of how you came to this point of working with the poor in this way. Um, that's a very long-winded question to start with. And, but uh, do your best to answer. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I don't know really how it started, other than that I couldn't really ever get away from it. Um, so probably um, if I if I look back to my early days, I've been um, I became a Christian when I was seventeen. I'm now forty three, so uh, so a little while ago, and, um, and early on in that time, I um, I've 
formed a bit of a, a link with um, there was a there was a Christian bookshop in the town, um, and uh, and it it's it sort of I don't know I don't even know how it happened really, but um, the 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 guy at the Christian bookshop would regularly get people off the streets. Um, asking him for help and so on and so forth. And I became his go-to man in that um, he took my number. And uh, so whenever somebody came in off the streets, he would give me a ring and uh, and I would supposedly go and help. So in, in a fair amount of naivety, but that's what, uh, that's how it sort of started. Um, and, and I suppose, I suppose the, the sort of, overriding kind of thing which which i think many people that are, that are involved in this sort of ministry would hold a scripture uh, that is like a sort of signature scripture uh, for them and that would for me that would be isaiah 61 um and uh, and so just just carrying a uh, a sense of call that the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me uh, to preach good news to the poor and, and particularly the bit um, in that talk that talks about that they should be called oaks of righteousness. So I've had I've had now for a long time a growing uh, passion to see some of the most broken uh, of our society, particularly those that are homeless, particularly those that are dealing with addiction or mental health problems, um, to to see them transformed from where they are uh, today, where they are now, through to becoming, or oh, somebody would describe them as, well, they're an oak, they're an oak of righteousness. So, so that's sort of uh, sort of why I do it. Um, I guess another, in my own story, another uh, fairly big motivation is uh, part of my own conversion uh, was to do with. Um, just ex- having a hunger uh, for a father figure, having had um, uh, my own father was an alcoholic um, and, uh, and was a violent man. And um, so that sort of left some sort of gaps in my life and some, some challenges. There's some pretty painful memories. Um, but uh, I, I know that, that in my own conversion, God revealed to me something of his father heart. And since then, I've... I've sort of felt a sense of call to express that to others and to be like a father to others. I mean, I, you know, there's not much more to say apart from even if I try to get away from it, these guys find me. That's probably the, the reality of it. So does that help? Does that yeah, it does. <clears throat> so as um, I guess as you were growing up from when you were, you were saved when you were 17 uh, and the churches that you were part of or involved with, um, how... How did they help you to express this conviction? I mean, in what way um, could you fit this into a church context? How easy was that? Uh, well, initially, tricky. I mean, I I, um, I got saved and started going to a, to a, a, a local church. Uh, part of uh, it was a Methodist church. Not that I've got anything against them, but uh, they didn't really know what to do with me because, believe it or not, I had long hair. Um, and a leather jacket with tassels on it, which is exciting. And um, and so they didn't they didn't know what to do with me, let alone anybody else. Uh, so it didn't it didn't take that long before actually the minister asked me to leave actually uh, for various reasons, um, mainly because of coming into a sort of charismatic experience. And um, so then I found another church um, that. 
actually, if I look, if I look back, that other church had quite a good involvement with uh, guys that would come um, off the streets, and I would sort of get to know those guys, befriend those guys. I was sort of one of them, to be to be honest. Um, and uh, and and I think the minister of that church then gave me quite a, a good bit of encouragement. Um, but but. If I track forward, one of the overriding questions that, that, that I get asked a lot by well-meaning people is, um, well, Jim, you need to choose. What are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to set up a project or are you going to lead the church or lead churches? And, um, and I, I've, never, I've never really felt uh, the need to decide between those two. Uh, so, so you know, so I've had some encouragement, but at the same time, I've had some sort of challenge in terms of: uh, is this really a local church ministry, or is this a project that you're setting up? No, I think that's an excellent point, actually. We'll, we'll come back to that in a bit. Um, I'm curious as well. <clears throat> so, in recent years, um, you've had the Encounter Camp. Uh, which uh, I think most people here might be aware of, but uh, how did you, that just seems like, I, I think logistically about a camp like that, and uh, I can't quite get my head around how you would make that work, um, but you seem to have made it work. Uh, so do you want to explain to us a little bit about this encounter camp as well? Um, and yeah, particularly, I mean, you referred to it a little bit then uh, with the Methodist Church and some charismatic things that happened to you. And it'd be good to interesting to expand on how you found that working for you as well. And I think the encounter camp seems to that seems to be quite a significant factor. Yeah, um, the, this the encounter camp. Actually, this this coming year will be our 10th year uh, running the encounter camp. And it all started, um, we were, as a church, we were away for a weekend. Uh, it was a camping weekend. And, um, and I, was, I was leading one of the meetings at uh, the weekend. And, and the, the Spirit of God just fell on me. Um, and um, I, remember, I remember being, um, I was sort of glued to the spot, really. I didn't fall over or anything like that, but I became unable to function. And uh, so I just about managed to speak to somebody else and say, I don't think I can need this meeting anymore. Um, and it was during that time when when uh, I just felt God speak to me and I felt God say, um, if you gather the broken, uh, the poor, uh, the addicts, um, uh, that I will show you what I can do. And, uh, oh, there's a interesting character just arrived. Hi, Paul. Hey, hey, Paul. Hey. Uh, you doing oh, okay. Paul's, Paul's also in Worcester, so that's exciting. Oh, there you go. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to get yourself muted, Paul? Oh, he looks like he might be muted accidentally. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Where? So where was I? So so uh, yeah. No. So during that time when the the spirit had fallen on me, and I and I really got I felt God speak to me. Gather these guys. And that he would show me what he can do. And the implication was that it wasn't about a strategy. Um, it wasn't about a, a program that we could do. It was about gathering people to this, to, to this place, to a camp, gather them together, um, and that God would supernaturally do, do, do wonders. Um, and uh, so we've been running that, as I say, this will be our 10th year. Um, and we've seen... 
Um, we, we sort of hold meetings. Uh, there are main meetings. There are seminars that we do as well. Uh, sort of let your hair down sessions, sports sessions, and all sorts of different things that we do. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, we've seen God uh, do amazing things um, in terms of people getting healed. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I remember I remember one year. Um, a guy, this is probably the, I think it was the first or second year that we ran the camp. Uh, there was a guy that came that had served a long prison sentence and had many, many challenges. Um, and uh, so he, he was somebody that had uh, a list of experts that looked after him, probation services, psychiatrists, and, and so on and so forth. There was a list. And uh, so he was, he was up for a, a review shortly after coming to the camp. Uh, where he really met with God, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, and and became a Christian. And uh, so he went back, and and when he was at the review, um, he basically he, they said something's happened to you. Tell tell us what's going on. Tell us what's happened. And they and he, he in his own words told them that he'd met the Holy Spirit. Um, and um, uh, see, he he sort of told them about that. And uh, and so on, on they, they looked at him, chatted him, quizzed him over it. And on his notes, uh, currently, I think even to this day, on his notes, they, they wrote, uh, we mustn't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit uh, because they'd seen a, a change in the guy. And he's, he comes back most years and is doing really well. Um, so lots of stuff like that. That's, that's the expectation. The expectation is to see supernaturally people changed. Uh, and to see something of that Isaiah 61 stuff happen in terms of people transformed. Uh, so we're always looking for that. And, um, yeah, we've seen some physical healings too, but, yeah. Very good. Very good. That's a, a wonderful story. Um, I guess what I'm uh, – personally, what I'm most interested in uh, is kind of your story from the church planting angle and the, the, the local church angle – um, and uh, which I think what you guys are doing at the moment is um, is fascinating, actually. Um, so explain to us a little bit about the encounter meeting, your Friday night meeting, um, how that arose, uh, where that did fit in the church and where it now fits in the church. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, so we from from, from running the camps um, and and other sort of involvement that I've had in terms of other sort of charitable work in in Worcester, uh, we sort of found ourselves with a, a a sort of I don't know fifteen or so uh, guys that we were working with, um, and we were we were sort of looking for something new. We were looking for a way of integrating them into church life. Uh, discipling people, seeing them catch the vision uh, for local church. Um, and and I, I think for me, my passion is to see those guys not just catch, not just manage to fit into church, but actually catch a vision for it and want to plant churches and want to be uh, leaders in his church and, and, and significantly involved. And so we sort of, I, I, I was on a bit of a journey really of... Um, uh, trying to integrate those guys into what was predominantly a white middle-class church. Um, and it, 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 it didn't really work, although I'm passionate about it, and although I love to see all things brought together under one head, as I think we can read about. But um, uh, so, so we started a, a separate meeting. We started a Friday night uh, outreach meeting, really. 
And uh, can I can I stop you and ask it? I I want to ask why it didn't work. Um, uh, probably probably. Um, I mean, there can be all sorts of reasons, and it could be that I just didn't persevere for long enough. Uh, but I, I think uh, largely the, the 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 congregation were looking at the guys that I would bring, thinking that they that they're going to get robbed any minute. Uh, and and, uh, and and the guys that I brought along didn't know how to handle middle class people, and so there was there was some prejudice that needed breaking down. Um, there's massively different culture, uh, you know. So so just naturally, our culture would be invite someone round for dinner, um, and uh, and so on. You know, they come. I remember. I remember when I first became a Christian and I went to church, and everyone was hugging each other. Uh, I just wanted to punch somebody <laughs> because I didn't know what to do with the hugging. Uh, and uh, and so there's just there's just so many cultural barriers uh, for people that haven't experienced that sort of background. Uh, and I think that's you know I think. I think it was it was in on both in both directions. I think that the church found it difficult to relate, and so what what sort of happened is there was a group of guys that were Jim's guys um, that Jim spoke to, and not many other people did. Uh, so that was uncomfortable for everybody, not least me. Um, uh, and um, so so that so, so then the guys they didn't know how to act because the the guys would walk in thinking that everybody's looking at them. And that everyone knows their background. Of course, they didn't, but they were they were sort of they had that sort of feeling about them. So I think it, it's just the the gulf of difference in in culture and and the prejudice that there were on both sides. I would say. Hmm. I, it was inter- as I was thinking about this evening and asking and thinking about what I wanted to ask you about the the phrase that as I thought about what you guys were doing is that this is cross cultural mission in many ways. And actually, yeah. sometimes we don't talk about. Uh, the cross-cultural stuff within our own nation. So we might talk about planting a church in the local um, area, which is very Muslim or Sikh or whatever, but we don't necessarily think about uh, like the class culture, cross-culture that there is simply in class. And we found it in Gorton on the east side of Manchester, which is a very uh, poor area, uh, that actually we've been trying to get a church living and breathing there with a few middle-class people and a few people who aren't middle-class. And the, the, the simple dynamics of how to start a friendship is um, really very, very difficult, um, which it's, it sounds very similar to what you guys have experienced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so, so the leadership team of the Friday night meeting that we run, uh, there's myself that I've got the background that I had. Um, there is a, 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 a recovered... Um, heroin addict uh, and a crack cocaine addict um, on the leadership team of that uh, ex-addicts and some time ago and so they're very much free uh, but um, there's nothing like their testimony that really breaks down some of those barriers mm. uh, you know so and uh, yeah and, and, and yeah there's there's some benefits from that as well but um, so I, I interrupted you at the point where you were saying it kind of you were bringing them along. The the mix wasn't working particularly well, and so you decided to do something. What did you decide to do? Yeah, so we started a Friday outreach meeting um, that 
that, we, we sort of uh, hired a venue in the centre of town, uh, publicised it through street evangelism, um, and opened the doors, really. And, and there's a couple of things that I, I found from the beginning that we shouldn't do. Uh, we decided not to base it around food, for instance, which is what a lot of people do uh, for that kind of outreach, because I wanted people to be attracted to the gospel um, rather than food. Um, so that was a decision at the beginning, no right or wrong on it, but it was a decision we made. Um, and, uh, and we just, we started gathering. We, we gathered probably 20 or so people fairly quickly. Uh, we would, the evening would, would comprise of a, a worship time and, um, and a talk. It would be fairly typical, uh, format in terms of church, but, you know, would be, um, it would be the style of it would be quite different. Um, Explain to me the worship time. I felt worship times in most of our churches. Again, we're talking a middle class thing here. There would be some music with us singing songs at a certain pace and contemplating quite a lot, and then a few people who know what they're doing might pray out or contribute in some way. How does it work for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we we it was. We, were, we started a meeting that we had to set the culture, do you know what I mean, from the beginning. And, and so we sort, of, we sort of could decide what we wanted to build. And I think that was important. And, and so uh, worship to us is really important. We did it as best we could. Um, but it, 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 it didn't need to be as polished. It could be quite raw. Um, but the thing that we found now over the, the, the last couple of years of doing that is that um, we, we, we're not so strong on sort of contemplative sort of worship uh, but in terms of praise it, 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 is, it is very dynamic um, and it is like a football crowd uh, uh, praising God uh, and, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of shouting uh, in our meetings uh, and uh, and people going somewhat somewhat crazy i mean it is it is for people that come in that have never been before it's it's um it's you know it's fairly full on uh so so actually i i i kind of i often come away from a friday and don't quote me to the members of our church and think oh, i take this on a sunday anytime uh because that i mean jesus said himself didn't he that those who have been forgiven much love much uh, and so it's, it's been a, a really big part of our meeting now, and it's been particularly praise rather than sort of slow worship. Not so, not, they're not so keen on that. No, it's very good. Did you, um, have, did you have to think about the sort of songs you would use, even the song words? Um, sometimes it can be quite conceptual and poetic. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we're, we're reaching a people that, that some aren't literate, um, and so, so we, we've, you know, we've ditched some of the complicated songs. Um, and so my, my, my rule of thumb to the guys that lead the worship is keep it all on Jesus and keep it really simple. Um, style can change. Do you mean that, you know, a homeless person will like different styles, same, same as any other person. Uh, but, but I think very Jesus focused, very simple is what we've gone for. Very good. So explain now uh, to us how this Friday night meeting links with, I mean, the church isn't the, the gathered yeah. meeting necessarily, is it? But it, it helps us to understand the Sunday church, yeah. I guess, the, uh, yeah. the original part of the church, and then this new part. How do they work together? How does it link? Yeah. 
Well, that was that was um, it was actually uh, Colin Barron that um, that popped in on, on myself and Richard, who were the sort of at the time were the two elders in the church, and um, uh, the church was doing, you know Hope Church is a church of around about 120 adult members, something like that, and um, and has and had been a bit stuck there for some time, and uh, you know so it was a good church. We enjoyed leading it. Uh, good people. Uh, but it felt like it lacked momentum as a church, and uh, and so Colin came and we were chatting and and uh, he, you know he said so how's it going and we explained that we said it's okay church is doing all right but we feel like we're lacking a little bit of momentum we haven't seen many people added uh, for a couple of years uh, so we're just a bit stuck uh, and he said well tell me about the Friday night thing and uh, so I sort of talked through that and actually on the Friday night thing we'd seen probably about 15 20 people saved um in in quite a short space of time um and um and we're we're, we're moving forward and, and growing and so on and so forth uh, so he said to me well isn't that momentum uh, and 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 just got me thinking differently that from well what how about that church that that gathering on a Friday night because at the time it was in my head it was an outreach meeting mm. um, how about you actually structuring that more as a, as a congregation um, a separate congregation to the Friday night and, uh, and, and pretty quickly I was sold on it um, so subsequently we, um, we we sort of almost recast the vision of it a little bit I did some teaching on uh, church in that setting uh, on the Friday night uh, we restructured the Hope Church a little bit in that we have now formed um, a leadership team for the Friday congregation and a leadership team for the Sunday congregation. So I lead the Friday one and, and uh, Richard leads the Sunday one. And it really does function as a separate congregation. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so, so it's sort of, it's able, it's able to enjoy the benefits of being part of the church, the, the whole church. Uh, i.e. my salary is covered and things like that um but um uh, and there's some strength that comes from being part of a bigger thing um but um but it's got its own it's got its own culture as well and its own identity um and i think it's made space it's made space for people to for people to grow so the leadership team i've just talked about two of the guys that have had sort of difficult backgrounds and you know i don't they may not have made it into the Sunday leadership team for a while, just because I mean, for no reason, there just wasn't that slot really. Mm. Uh, so it sort of opened up some more ministry. So those guys are now preaching regularly, and they wouldn't have been. Um, and and of course, I've I've taken a step back from the Sunday congregation a little bit as well. And so it's opened up. So other people have had to pick up the reins with that congregation. Mm. Um, so it's sort of, and, and what's subsequently what's happened is that the, the church, I think, is, is unlocked. So the Sunday church, the Sunday congregation is now growing. Um, and, why, uh, why do you think that is? That, that's very interesting. Why would, uh, why would one congregation affect another in that way? I, I think, I, I don't, I, you can't really buy momentum, can you? <laughs> no. I mean, you know, if you could, it would, you would pay money for it. But and I think, I think, just rebranding, if you like, that other congregation and telling the story, because it, prior to that, it was a thing on the side. It was a thing that Jim did. Mm. Whereas now, it's it's a congregation that we're planting. Um, so rebranding that sort of made the church think, oh, this is something really good. I think, I think, um, 
the, releasing some of the other leaders on the on the uh, for the Sunday team uh, as sort of this just made space for for for, for a wider team uh, to grow. And so there are more people carrying carrying the load, which I think has helped. We've extended that we've doubled the eldership team uh, partly as a result of that. Um, and I think the other thing is that that actually having a, an established uh, ministry amongst the poor, congregation amongst the poor, that um, that, is, that has profile in the church uh, is attractional. I think I think we've gathered we've gathered people that love the ministry, love that ministry. So, have you? Um, has reorganising yourself in this way has it increased the buy-in of the Sunday morning crowd? Are they uh, in practically not just in in their hearts? Because it sounds like in the, there's been a change in the practical outworking of trying to make that Friday evening meeting happen and discipling and all of that sort of thing, even their awareness when they're uh, on the streets of Worcester and they see people, um, you know, what's the buy-in like? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, I, I think, I mean, to be fair, I think it was always pretty good. Uh, but I think, I think, as I say, just rebranding it as this congregation sort of has changed people's con- concept of it. it it's sort of oh this is something that is um i don't know proper i guess yeah. uh, and and uh so so i think yeah it's just changed people's mindsets on it a little bit i think i think as it as it's grown a bit as it's gained momentum um there have been more opportunities for others to serve so you know we do do a meal we do a christmas dinner every every christmas and uh, and and the church really get behind that so we look for opportunities um, for the Sunday guys to get involved in in that, um, you know, financially, um, the church have really got behind it. Uh, so, so I think, I mean, partly releasing my time is a financial commitment for the church, uh, but also there have been things that we've needed over the, along the way uh, that the church, the, the Sunday congregation, have really rallied towards and, and given. And I think that in itself does something. It, you know, it's sort of the more buy-in people get, the more I think they feel like they're really doing something. Mm. I think of it like this. I think I think if you're at a party full of unbelievers and they ask you what your church is like, if you can tell them that you're doing this sort of stuff, it makes that conversation a lot easier because it just makes sense to people. Yeah. There's um, a guy called Ed Stetzer. He wrote uh, a bunch of books about church planning to in America, but to um, 18s to 30s in that age range. And he said um, they did a whole bunch of research. And he said one of the most important things uh, in terms of this idea of having an authentic church was actually that the church had um, uh, something that they did with the poor. And he said even if the people, these people didn't actually in of themselves do anything, uh, actually increase their buy-in to the church in a whole for that very story that you said, that yeah. what, how you explain your church, well, we do this and this is part yeah. of who we are. So do you think the buy-in increased because, um, because you kind of de-ministried it in a funny way? It's not a, you would say this is one of our church meetings now. This is a congregation of our church. This is... Uh, a church plant into a different part of our town geographically or culturally do you think that mental leap in itself um was the grease in the wheels yeah and i think so and i think i think as well when once you've planted one 
you start to think, well, what else could we do? Yeah, yeah. And so, so you start to think of what other demographics are there in the town, uh, you know. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I think it just, it, it, I'm sold on it. It's just opens, it, it, it's opened my eyes to, well, we could, we could look at this. So, so currently, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around, you know, is, is there, is there need for something that we could do in Worcester that, you know, that, that, that the guys that listen to one extra. Do you know what I mean? They they equally struggle probably to fit into our Sunday setting. No, absolutely, yeah. Um, Not least the music, Um, but you know. So, so I'm I'm speaking to a guy now that is a music producer and and looking at well, do we do do we do a a sort of a a congregation for the for that demographic? Um, And so it sort of unlocked my thinking a little bit. Um, You know, I I still I, I would say I I still passionately believe in bringing people of different types together mm-hmm. um you know and so 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 i had to reconcile that in my head a little bit and and the thing that probably helped me was that actually having started the friday meeting the a curious sort of thing happened that, that having started the friday meeting and got some momentum with that meeting actually more of the guys that were coming on the friday also started coming on a sunday just happened we weren't pushing it we weren't encouraging people to um but i think i think they were they were getting something that worked for them that drew them closer to god and then they wanted to be part of the 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 sunday church as well so so it had an interesting impact in that regard did it work the other way do uh, people from the sunday meeting will they turn up on a friday just if they're not helping just to be there does that work I, I I try and avoid it. <laughs> I try and keep them away <laughs> because because of some of the challenges. Uh, you know, there there can be well-meaning people in our in our churches that get involved with drug addicts and get into all sorts of pickles. Uh, so no, that's, yeah, that's very wise. Very wise. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, I've got one more question, and then um, be good, great to hand back to Mike, and we can do some Q and A. Uh, and it's a bit of a selfish question, really. Um, I it, just in thinking, in terms of thinking church planting, um, and this is what we're all involved in here. Uh, and uh, as a church planter, especially when you're in the kind of the phase of having barely any people, and you just want to get some people, uh, and you're keen to start a church, but you want it to be, you want it to be a good part of the kingdom of God, and, and you want to do the right thing, and actually you want the poor to be welcome in that place. Yeah. regardless of you know who they are or what their background is or why they're poor um, yeah. <clears throat> but without wanting to mince words it's time ty- that demographic is time consuming in, in of all the needs that they have um, so if you were talking to a bunch of church planters which you are uh, how would you say like in those early stages the 0 to 20 0 to 50 stage how do you get the poor into your the DNA of your church uh, how can you get that group to how can you express God's love for the poor when you're trying to gather a crowd to keep your head above water as a church plant. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think it's an interesting question. And, and, and um, if I was planting uh, independently of, of, a, of another congregation, um, I mean, it's really hard. It's, it's really hard to build a church with those guys because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, two steps forward, two steps back. And so, and so church planting is hard enough as it is in terms of 
the emotional roller coaster of oh th- is this family going to stick um you know and so if you if you add addiction into that equation uh that then it, it, it's really tough and so if i was if i was going to a new town uh, tomorrow and planting a church um I would think twice before I planted a, an encounter-type congregation. Um, uh, I, I think I, I probably I, I would think twice, then probably do it. To be honest, and that and that will be probably because of my own calling. Um, do you know what I mean? So I think I think if someone is going to be is going to plant a church, and if they want to put a lot of effort into reaching the the the, so the, the broken, the homeless, the addicts, and so on and so forth. Um, they, then they've got to be really cool to that. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think I, I think um, it's it's not an easy route. To build a church Something Colin will often talk about is uh, really knowing what you have uh, genuinely have faith for, and there's yeah. uh, there's almost a pragmatic reality to that. So I think about myself, and I can't in a million years imagine me starting an encounter meeting. That's not to yeah. say there, there won't be people in my church who couldn't do it. That's very possible. But yeah. I just, and if I was planting, I, w- I wouldn't even have the first thought about doing it, let alone thinking twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess the, the, the follow up there is um, if, how do you think, as, as you observe other church planners, do you think there are easy things you can do um, to reflect? God's love for the poor. Does that make sense? I mean, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I, I think. Um, I, I think the sensible thing is to not make major on it in your early days of church planting. Would be. Would be. You know. Unless you're someone like me that can't get away from it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I think. And and I, so there's there's a proviso there because I think I think there is a place for uh, different types of church plants. So if if you're happy to take a long time over it and you're happy to live with the pain of the two steps forward, two steps back that you have with, with reaching these guys, and you're called to do it, I think crack on and plant a church, because it will, part of it will be dynamic. Um, if you're planting a church amongst the homeless, it, it would be quite dynamic. Uh, but if you're looking to plant a, a church that is reaching a, a cross-section of the town, um, if you major on, on the homeless at, at the beginning, they, they'll suck all the life out of you. And, and, and you'll struggle. Yeah. Um, but, however, if you, like, back to your question, if you're wanting to reflect God's heart for the poor from the early stages of the church, I, I can think of no better way than to find, to figure, to, you know, discover what other churches are doing in the town and get involved. Mm. You know, so, so that in Worcester, for instance, there's a, there's a, there's a church plant, not, not to do with us, a separate, another church organization planting a church, um, and we we do a soup run every Saturday night, and they carry one of those nights. They do it every I think seven weeks, uh, so it's manageable. Do you mm. know what I mean? They do a soup run every seven weeks. It's part of a, It's part of the the stuff that we do, but they just carry it for one 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 week every seven, and it gives them a, an expression for that. But it doesn't it doesn't overwhelm them. So, so look for what's going on and piggyback on it. I think too often we want to we want to start from scratch when there's often some really good things going on in the town that you can just get involved with. Well, we hope you enjoyed this interview with Jim and found some helpful takeaways that you can apply to your own context. 
For the full notes on everything that Jim had to say, plus the Q&A with Jim, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 19. If you visit thebroadcastnetwork.org, you could sign up for updates about our upcoming hangouts, and you could also access our full archive of church planting resources, training, articles, hangouts, audio and video files. Lots of helpful stuff there to help equip you to plant a church.